Mandy Murphy, and this is the Toasted Sister Podcast, a show about indigenous food. episode, I talk with Donnell Barlow about her new book called Bigfoot and Lightning Bug. It's a sweet children's book about Bigfoot and the environment. You might remember Donnell's name if you have a copy of my zine, Eminent Cuisine, Indigenous Food Futurisms. She contributed a poem and a recipe. So if you haven't already, go to ToastedSisterPodcast.com to get your copy of this zine. And speaking of poems, recipes, and books, there are more books out there by indigenous foodies. Before I get into this interview, I'll list a couple of them right now. There's Indigenous Food Sovereignty in the United States, Restoring Culture Knowledge, Protecting Environments, and Regaining Health by Devin Mahutsua and Elizabeth Hoover, who you heard from in episode six of this podcast. Actually, many of the people you heard from in this podcast contributed to this book. It has a wealth of information about Indigenous food sovereignty. I read a couple of chapters and my brain is already so full. There's the Fresh Alaska Cookbook by Rob Kinnean, who was featured in episode 23 of this podcast. It's full of gorgeous photos and beautiful recipes like Bristol Bay salmon over foraged rice pasta and tundra vinaigrette and Alaska oysters roasted with reindeer sausage and spinach. There's Inventos Mios by Ruby Orozco Santos, who was featured on the El Paso episode. That's number 45. It's a collection of poetry about the indigenous science that is nextimalization. It's written in Spanish and English. There's Tawau, Progressive Indigenous Cuisine, a cookbook by Shane Chartrand, who was on episode 33 of Toasted Sister. It's spelled T-A-W-A-W, Tawau, which is a Cree word that means welcome, there's room. There's Cooking with the Wolfman, Indigenous Fusion, a cookbook by Chef David Wolfman. He was on episode 25. And in this cookbook, he also covers the fundamentals of cooking, which is very important for everybody to learn. There's the Sous Chef's Indigenous Kitchen Cookbook by Sean Sherman. You heard from Sean on episode 14, right before the book came out. And this book is still so wildly popular. Links to all these books are in the show notes and on ToastedSisterPodcast.com. And I just want to say there are many books out there that are about Native food. I would do a little bit of research on these to make sure they're written by Native authors and creators. So here's Donnell Barlow. She's Ottawa. We're talking about her children's book, Bigfoot and Lightning Bug. The book is really based on the stories that I grew up hearing from my grandmother. Um, she was Yurok, and she lived just off the Klamath River, and her and my grandfather actually owned a logging company. And so she said frequently she would have Bigfoot, actually, like families, turn over their logging equipment. So I, I grew up hearing these stories, and it just kind of always became this 
special um, connection to Bigfoot. Um, I even was able to get one of the plaster footprints. She used to make a lot of different plaster footprints um, that they had left behind, and she had all different sizes. And after she had passed, my sister was only able to find one. And so um, I actually have the one plaster footprint um, that was still at her home. And I've also had several dreams, actually, about Bigfoot ever since. And it just is also a really, um, it's a connection to my grandmother um, and, and my childhood. And so I thought, you know, what a better way to honor my grandmother by, you know, kind of basing it off of those stories, but also uh, the illustrations. Um, I began the illustrations when I was pregnant with my daughter. And so I had never really um, expressed that form of creativity a whole whole lot throughout my life, but it just kind of flowed. And so I feel like she's just a big component in that process because that part of my brain opened um, while she was, you know, growing inside of me. And so that's just kind of how... um, the book came about. You know, some of the first pages or the first page in the book, I have it right in front of me. um, It lists uh, some names of Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Can you pronounce Mm -hmm. those names for me? Uh, I wish I could pronounce those names. Um, But I did get a lot of clarification on them. So Mm -hmm. I actually did get quite a few people that responded to my request on on Facebook and but I until I went through a few different um, language people that could give me you know definite um, proof that that was the spelling I was like I'm not putting it in the book mm-hmm. um, and so I'm actually not really familiar of course the last one is Sabe for Bigfoot so that one I am familiar with and I wish that I could pronounce them for you. I just really wanted to, um, I'm afraid I would butcher it. I really just wanted to include that component because I thought it was really important um, for for the children to see, you know, that it's just, it's something that's, you know, consistent through not just um, Native American stories, but it's all indigenous communities. And if I, you know, was to write another book, I would like to include um, translations from other indigenous people and, and their language as well. Right, right. I don't think people realize that, um, you know, Bigfoot is such a big part of uh, some of our stories. Even down here, mm-hmm. uh, the Navajo word for Bigfoot is Kitso or um, oh. Yeitso, which just means like big big person, big giant. Okay. Um, and, yeah. um, you know, here at Native America Calling, I, I produced a show uh, a couple years ago about Bigfoot, and that was like one of our most popular shows I've ever uh, produced <laughs> for oh, Native wow. America Calling because everybody called in to tell their like origin stories uh, connected to Bigfoot. And um, some people even uh, called in to talk about their own sightings uh, of Bigfoot wow. and how, how just important they are uh, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, Native American stories. Um, so, so you know, what was, uh, I know uh, you talked about, uh, you know, your grandmother being sort of the inspiration for this book here, but what, what do you want uh, children to learn from it. This is a children's book. Yeah. Well, really, I just kind of wanted children to, again, you know, be open to the magic and open to the possibilities if this was not something that was in their radar before. And it was also important that <laughs> that's my daughter. <laughs> um, it was also really important that, you know, it showed in the book as well that it's just 
a mom. And so sometimes families are different. And so, you know, I wanted to show that it was just a mother and her daughter. And so for some children, they might, you know, relate to that dynamic as well. And then I, you know, emphasized in the book, which I would have liked to put more throughout the book, but it would have been too long, about taking care of our Mother Earth. And so how it's important if we see garbage, whether it belongs to us or not, whether we brought it in or not, to, you know, dispose of it properly so we can take care of the forest. I, you know, have been reading so many children's books since I've become a new mother, and I just haven't seen a whole lot out there that pertains to taking care of our Mother Earth and teaching these lessons. And so I thought that um, utilizing Bigfoot and my daughter would be a really good way um, to teach that and to, you know, to honor that, Um, not just for Native American kids, but, you know, for all kids. So so what is the story in this book, Bigfoot and, and Lightning Bug? So the book really, I mean, and I definitely it took me a while to narrow down the story, because like I said, with children's books, you can only go so long or you lose the audience. And so really the basic is I had to definitely show my grandmother talking about those stories and that being passed down. And then um, Lightning Bug, you know, meets Bigfoot. Um, And then I gave a shout out to, she says, Holy Smoke Signals, which is also kind of a shout out to Spokane because Smoke Signals was filmed in Spokane, Washington, (laughs) for people who aren't familiar with that part. Um, And then I did a little bit of, you know, them collecting huckleberries because that's one of our traditional foods. And I also emphasized a lot of words that were descriptive because I got some good feedback from different teachers and parents, and I had them read the book before I put it out there. And they said that it's really good to appeal to kids who are very sensory. And so I used a lot of descriptive words like slurp and PU and different things like that so it would appeal to those kids, um, as well as the font is a specific font. Um, it's a Lucille font that it makes it more, um, it makes it easier for children with reading um, disabilities or types of dy- dyslexia so that they have an easier time reading the font. So that was also a really important component that went into the, to the book. Um, and then she brings him home because I just kind of wanted her to be able to show him what her world was like and he meets me and he meets our dog um and then they go back out you know into the forest the next day and play hide and go seek and then that's when they come upon um finding garbage down by the river and so we start talking a little bit more about how we need to take care of mother earth and then i kind of introduce this door which is kind of my way it's like a secret doorway is what i call it but that was my way of explaining that I thought that, you know, he's an interdimensional um, being, that Bigfoot is an interdimensional being. So that was my creative way of kind of showing my perspective on Bigfoot. Um, and that's where the Animal Council gathers, and they have these meetings on how to protect the forest. And then I wanted to give a call of action to the kids to to also be a part of that process, to let them know that, you know, they can be doing those things with lightning bug and taking better care of our forest and our animals. And then I pretty much kind of had to wrap it up at that point because, yeah, like I said, you lose the audience if it's too long. And I'm, I'm really hopeful I can write another book where I can go deeper into some other types of issues and things that I think that are important for kids to see and, you know, be aware of um, that I'm not seeing in children's books right now.
You know, what, one of the pages here is a uh, real photograph of you and your daughter, um, and you guys are wearing some uh, matching ribbon skirts. Um, yes. ex- explain a little bit about these ribbon skirts. Well, um, the ribbon skirt design um, was really just, it was um, influenced by one of the drawings. So that was one of the first drawings that I had done, one of the original ones that I knew was going to be the back cover. And I reached out to a friend of mine named Agnes um, Woodward, um, and she is a Native American designer that makes these ribbon skirts. And we actually met at Standing Rock Cooking in the Kitchen. Mm. So I met her a few years ago. And I actually talk about her in Medicine Tracks, too. And so I knew right away that she was the person because she just makes such beautiful ribbon skirts, you know, create these for us. And she was so excited to be a part of that because she really wasn't doing a whole lot of um, the mother-daughter, you know, um, combination. And so that's kind of what started that whole thing. I mean, I was still pretty far from finishing the book when I even had commissioned her to make the skirts. Mm-hmm. Um but they've been such an amazing, you know, asset for just, you know, promoting the book. And I have girls, little girls reaching out to me who are wanting the ribbon skirts. Um, and I think that that's, you know, pretty, pretty great, too. Um, you know, and, and it's just another way of, you know, showing our culture and, um, and bringing that into the story. Lightning Bug is wearing, not in the entire book, but she is wearing a red ribbon skirt mm-hmm. and that was intentional and obviously not everybody is going to know the meaning behind that but that was to honor the murdered missing indigenous women um that you know we that we lose every year and we never have answers on what happened to them or and you know nobody's ever held accountable for those things and so that's something that's been going on for a long time Mm-hmm. And there's just, you know, started increasing awareness of that. So that was our way of just kind of putting it in there. And, you know, obviously certain people will pick up on that, but um, a lot of people won't necessarily be aware to that. Okay. All right. Nice. Um, you mentioned uh, Medicine Tracks. That's another book mm-hmm. you've read. Uh, that's another book you've uh, written. Uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Well, Medicine Tracks is a memoir that I released just about a year ago, and it documents really my life up until the last few years, but it focuses on a particular time um, when I handled a lot of diversity and um, utilized uh, different forms of medicine um, to, to help heal. And so the definition of medicine tracks uh, is that they're intuitive steps one takes to find a a new path toward self-healing. They can lead you to particular people and places that offer great joy. However, within these same experiences can end with suffering and turmoil. This form of medicine is challenging and requires patience. This process is meant to ensure the growth that needs to occur in order to achieve a new profound healing from within. It talks about a lot of different diversity, but the main common theme is my father, and that's who I wrote the book for because I just really wanted to honor our relationship and all the things that he taught me through how he handled diversity. And so each chapter is a different form of medicine, Um, and when we 
people hear the word medicine, they tend to think of medication. And so I really wanted to change um, that connection and show that medicine means so much more. Um, And I talk about, you know, elders being medicine or, you know, obviously traditional foods being medicine. And so I'm hoping that people can, you know, find comfort in my words um, or maybe a different perspective on if they can relate to any of this diversity in their own life and throughout their own journey. All right. I featured you on um, episode eight uh, back Mm -hmm. in 2017. Um, Mm -hmm. What have you been up to in terms of, uh, you know, cooking or, um, you know, developing recipes? I know you're always coming out with uh, different recipes. Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, I had a daughter. I had a baby. So that's Lightning Bug. Her name is Dusk. So that's a big, huge change in my life. Um, I've done a few different things. I was working for the Spokane Tribe, uh, managing their special diabetes grant. So that was definitely a different line of work. But I was able to utilize my health coaching, uh, do some cooking. And I also still do, you know, it was an hour um, commute um, there, an hour commute back, which was really difficult (laughs) when you're not used to that with a a baby. Um, And so now I'm doing, I do contract work for for them and um, make, you know, meals for 40 or 50 people and do a talk. Um, I'm still uh, doing a lot of speaking, public speaking, webinars, seminars, and workshops in Spokane. And then I'm starting to get commissioned to do things outside of Spokane as well. Um, and then I, I have my private health coaching practice. So I work with families or individuals on um, helping them find their relationship to food. And then my newest workshop that I've been offering um, has been discovering your rituals of self-care. And so through my own journey, I've really realized how important self-care is. And so that's kind of been my focus, which includes food as medicine, of course, but that's just one part of the puzzle. And that's really been what I've been kind of putting my passion towards um, recently. Uh, I wrote an article um, that addresses a lot of looking at food in more as how it affects your carbon imprint. Um, So often we just look at diets as a means to, you know, losing weight or or, or something like that. And And we rarely look at food as how is it affecting our carbon imprint. Um, for example, what's going on in the Amazon, and we know that it's mm-hmm. on fire, and we know that it's due, a lot of it's due to these cattle ranchers that have these factory farms. And that's one of the things that I'm really emphasizing in that article is, is are we contributing to um, our indigenous relatives losing their land? And just really trying to put more focus on eating local, eating sustainable, growing your own food, supporting your community um, as much as you can. You can hunt, you know, you can fish, but trying to reduce that carbon imprint not only will help the planet, but the food is actually fresher and more beneficial and it's cheaper. So that's been kind of a huge focus of mine, um, and that's why I had to write an article about it. It's I have to get, send you the link, but it's on a few different social, you know, social media sites, and um, I'd be happy to share it with you as well because that really is a big passion of mine, and it's a really a different way for people to think about food and what their choices are and how the choices that they make can affect a whole other community across, you know, the globe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'll put mm-hmm. a link on um, uh, social media and this awesome. um, this episode too, and on the website. Uh, but now that you're a mama, what have you noticed is maybe a challenge for you offering uh, your daughter um, maybe indigenous foods? Since I I was making all of her food, I was so diligent about it in the beginning. (laughs) You know, I made all of it. And then when she got really sick the first time, she got really picky. And so I kind of had to find a balance in that. And I would put so much work and effort, and then she would just, like, throw it across the room. (laughs) Um, So that was kind of, you know... uh, Broke my heart, but that's just kind of how it is. Um, But she goes out and she gathers with me. She was with me this spring, and we would go out and gather camas together. Of course, she could do that actual physical part, but she was eating it. She was playing in the dirt, and she loved it. Um, She's gone with me to go pick huckleberries. Um, and, you know, you know, of course she loves that as well, other than being trapped in some of those big patches where she can't really get out. Um, I call it a nature cage because she just gets really frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, she's with me as much as I can have her with me. She is going out there with me when I'm collecting these traditional foods so that she can be a part of the, a part of the process and start, you know, making a connection to that medicine as well. Um, I just came out with my newest recipe, which is a huckleberry camas muffin. So those foods I just mentioned, I actually combined them together and they're delicious. They're amazing. She loved them as well. And it would be really adaptable to really any indigenous community. They could just, you know, use the flour that that's in their region and whatever type of berry that is in their region. So it really, you just swap out those things. Um, I was really actually really excited and happy with that recipe. And I made it for a group of people that I was teaching um, who actually, I, I worked with some people that were health coaches themselves. And so I was just kind of helping them with their self-care and just other, giving them other resources and tools to help the, the people that they're working with. All right, Donnell, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, tell me where I can get these books. I mean, I already have, you know, Bigfoot and Lightning Bug, but where can the listeners get Bigfoot and Lightning Bug and Medicine Tracks? Well, locally... Um, which most of them probably aren't in Spokane. I have both of my books in a lot of different outlets locally in Spokane, but the easiest way would probably be Amazon. Amazon has both, both books on there. Make sure to follow Toasted Sister on social media because I'll be giving away my copy of Bigfoot and Lightning Bug. I figured it would be more useful in the hands of a parent or a child. So I'll pick a winner for this drawing on Halloween night. I will be at the Indigipopex sneak preview night on Saturday, November 9th in Albuquerque. The event is full of indigenous pop culture. That's comic books, art, music, and food. I'll have zines and stickers there. So check out Indigipopex sneak preview on Facebook and at indigipopex.com. 
I'll also be giving a talk about indigenous food at Virginia Tech on Friday, November 15th. That's part of their American Indian and Indigenous Heritage lineup of celebratory events. So go over to Virginia Tech's event page or find the event on Facebook. As always, stay informed about where I am via social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Toasted Sisters, supported by the Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation. It plays regularly on the Navajo Technical University's radio station, KCZY, and on the river, that's R-I-V-R, Rising Indigenous Voices Radio. Music was created for Toasted Sister by CWION. Check out this duo's great Mississippi Hill Country Blues music on Bandcamp or CWION.com. That's C-W-A-Y-O-N.com. Also, follow the band on social media. I'm Andy Murphy. We'll see you next time.